listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carl Arredondo, former chief meteorologist of Channel 4. I am visually impaired. I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I do walk with a white cane. On today's show, we're kind of continuing a conversation I had on a topic previously. Uh, we're going to talk more about our volunteer readers and what's involved in reading for WRBH. And my guest today is someone you may have heard many, many times on the air here at WRBH. With me today, I have Sean Hollihan. Sean, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Now, some of you folks may already recognize her voice, and we're going to get more into a lot of the different things that she does here. But first, Sean, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what school, you know, anything you want to share about who you are. All that, all that. I was born and raised in New Orleans by parents who were also born and raised in New Orleans. I'm the oldest of six kids. I raised three kids, and those three are living out of state. Um, uh, one is is living in Durham. He is a hearing-impaired person who wears a cochlear implant. He's Duke-educated, MIT-educated. I'm so proud of him. I can hardly talk about him. <laughs> um, he's married. Uh, my middle child is a market analyst for a company, works from home, married with a, my grandson, Simon. And my last one is a NOCA kid who is a costume designer. He, she even won an Emmy not too long ago for her work on Russian Doll. So, but that's that's about my kids. That's what parents do when they have kids. They talk about their kids. But where did I go to school? I went to Mount Carmel. Then I went to Newcomb, graduated in biology, UNO, biochemistry, and applied to medical school, didn't get in, thought my life was over at 25. So I went to law school. So I became a lawyer. I was a litigator in New Orleans for some years. I did um, employment discrimination for a number of years. Took a different job with for webcasting. Now I do public speaking on legal technology. I go around the state, a little bit out of the country, and WRBH, which I absolutely adore. But I'm I'm actually kind of a closet introvert. So that why I did all those things, I'm not really sure. But it helps that. Well, I bet you have stories about your court cases and legal stuff. I bet there's a whole nother show on all these different kind of <laughs> cases and stuff. Absolutely. But there's a lot, a lot of long, lonesome road before you get to a story that's worth telling at a cocktail party for sure. <laughs> okay. Now, how did you first hear of WRBH? What, what, what drew, drew you to it or how, how'd you come across the radio station? So WRBH was just a station on the dial. Uh, as a young lawyer, uh, my client was city of Bogalusa, so I would make the trek from New Orleans across the way in Bogalusa, and I would listen to WRBH. Why? Because it was just the news. They did news on the air back then, too, and it was just me having the paper read to me because I didn't have time to read the paper at the time, going across to city of Bogalusa. So that's how I learned that it existed um, it came in my my radar screen again much later when someone approached me who was on staff here, Jackie Bullock, and said, you ought to read for WRBH. And that was some 20-some-odd years ago, and I thought, I don't know. Do I really want to do that? Sure. I'm, I'm a wannabe. I'm a wannabe extrovert. Sure, I'll do that. <laughs> so I came here for an audition. So that's what made you decide. You came, but somebody asked you to audition. And yes. so talk about that audition process. What was that like? What do you have to do? 
It was something actually fairly easy. It was much easier than anything else I had done with regard to public speaking. They just gave you a script to read, and uh, you go into the audio booth that exists in the beautiful station that they have on Magazine Street now, and uh, you read it. Maybe you read it once or twice. Maybe you read it three times, and then that's it. I'm not sure what happens after that, what kind of machinations or what they're talking about after you're done, and then they call you to invite you. So that's what happened. So I'm taking, because I know uh, uh, there are some people that have come to audition and they I've heard them say, no, I didn't get picked. So there is a process where you have to, um, I don't want to say be good at it, but you have to be able to read and make it sound conversational. I guess that's part of it too. I guess over the years, it was so long ago that I auditioned um, I don't I don't have specific memories other than just reading a script and finding it very easy to do. It was not hard for me to do at all. So uh, there weren't ums, there weren't a lot of weren't coughs. I mean, I was I was aware from other experiences to avoid the I knows and the ums and the how to handle uh, pronunciation issues, that kind of thing. Uh, what they talked about, what they were looking for, I'm not privy to that. And I wasn't privy to that then. I find because with the previous interview I did with the audiobook narrator, she said a lot of them have a theatrical background mm-hmm. where you're able to, you know, pick characters out of novels and read as a script. And like you said, um, you have a background where you were used to speaking in front of people, court cases and stuff. So I guess some sort of Comfort, being comfortable talking in front of people is a, a definite plus because you have to be able to read and sound assertive and sound like it's just a normal way of speaking to somebody. Absolutely right. And it, but, but when you're in a small room and there isn't the audience, it's reading with that confidence but without the audience bothering your confidence. So it's between you and whatever you're reading. Um, and I love to read. So, yes, so when you re- it, there's a little bit of a drama background, I suppose, in high school. So there's a little bit of that. So drawing from all those experiences that cause you to want to relate to people, to, to talk in an expressive way, in a way, sitting in this small room without the audience around allows a freedom to express yourself perhaps even more freely than you would if there was an audience, at least for this person right here behind the mic. Well, that's why I feel it. I'm so in awe by you all that read or read books for a living or, uh, you know, here on the radio station, because I'm used to public speaking. I can speak in front of people, but you ask me to read something and I fall apart and I can't read, you know, I two or three, four or five takes, you know, to get something right. <laughs> so that's why I feel this is such a great talent to have. And it's so appreciative when you can hear something read to you and it's like, oh, they're just talking to me. They're not reading something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I liked about WRBH. <clears throat> when I when I hear somebody read something um, and they do it well, I'm with them. Uh, it's sort of like listening to somebody who has passion for what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're talking about. It's that passion that's contagious. If you can get that point across when you're reading something, then, then you're there. When you're reading a book, you assume the character a little bit. Um, and, and 
that's the fun part. That is absolutely the fun part when you're reading books on online or for bro- for later broadcast. Now, we're just I'm jumping to this because you just brought that up. So when you're reading books about characters, do you do voices as different characters? Because I know some people do it, some people don't. Do you do voices? Do you make the voice of a character come alive? I try to do that by maybe not as not as uh, pronounced as maybe you're suggesting, but I will adopt maybe a quicker way of talking for one character and slow it down for another. I'm female, so it's really hard to do a male voice. I mean, I could do like that, but that doesn't really work. But I do try to distinguish what characters are. Um, but when there are a lot of characters, it's difficult to do because you can't keep track of all your little special voices. <laughs> so. And that's what's fascinating because I can hear someone do an audiobook and and there's so many characters and each one comes through as that character. And I'm I'm like living that experience by listening to the story being told to me. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. How often do you read here at the radio station? Well, uh, once a week, but sometimes I'm conscripted to do some PSAs or commercials or fundraising, or I might pinch hit for a reader who can't come. Um, if I'm reading a book, it might be that I'm coming in on the weekends to do that in addition to what I usually do on Tuesday to read on the air. So I do what I'm told. Now, you were described just a little while ago by our executive director here at the radio station as our utility player because you do (laughs) everything and anything asked for. So talk about the different things you do read more. Like you said, PSAs. What else do you read besides novels? Um, So uh, during COVID, and and I could do it now if if they need it, is uh, I read the ads that exist in newspapers. So if I am talking about – so if if the assignment is – to read the advertisements for what Bromart is selling, Dornax are selling, or whatever it is, I have to read this tough ad that says, it's a bag of apples, and it's $2.19, or whatever it is. So you have to inject a little energy there to keep, keep interest level. And it's, that's really difficult. Of all the things I do here, reading those ads is the hardest thing to do because it's hard to keep that kind of level of enthusiasm after reading this bag of apples costs that much there, but yet this one costs that much over there. I mean, I'm about to fall asleep. <laughs> well, that that's talent. If you can make that sound entertaining or interesting because... You know, most people, if, if they're visually impaired like I am and don't read the paper or read ads or can't read ads, then, yeah, that's important. And you make it sound so um, enjoyable for them that to listen, to hear the ads and know where they have to go shop now. That's true. And I, I feel when I read those ads, I am very conscious about the mission of the station when that happens. My audience, not my audience, but the station's audience and what their needs are. And they're listening to those ads because that's the only way they know what's going on and how much things are. So I am aware of that. I push, I get over myself and get excited about that bag of apples and how much it costs. Now, when you know you have to come in and you have to read, whether it's a novel, uh, 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 newspaper, um, whatever it is, how much prep work do you do? Do you read this stuff ahead of time and then go on the air and read it or do you do it cold? 
In the very, very beginning, I would have a little bit of time when I would sit down and, and read it. Now I don't. I read it, I read it cold. Uh, so, for instance, this morning I came in and I had maybe five minutes before we went on the air and uh, I saw the article about the fires in Maui and, and I thought to myself, oh boy, there's going to be a lot of Hawaiian names here and I am going to struggle. So I quickly scanned it. There was just two names that looked simple. So went outside to the producer. I said, give me a pronunciation on this and this one and I'll be good. And then came back in. Um, so, but that doesn't always happen. That was that I had a little luxury of time this morning. Articles involving Russian names is very difficult. And sometimes I don't have time to prepare. So I have to make up sometimes a pronunciation and uh, be consistent with that mistake throughout the whole article. I try my best. Sometimes I can convert the sentences while I'm reading and not say the Russian name that I just massacred and say he or she or something like that. So that there can be some pressures there, some challenges there. But it's kind of fun. So when you go into a... Um an assignment where you're going to read a novel. Do you have an idea of how many pages you're going to read, or is it just reading until your time is done? How does that work? So they organize it here where you read an hour, and uh, that's it. So you read as, as much as you can for the hour, and then the, the next session is just the next session. So that's it. Do I read ahead of time? Um, Again, in the beginning, I did. I might read it ahead of time. But I found over time that reading it for the first time was more effective, or I felt like I was better reading it for the first time in the booth rather than reading it a second time. My expression reading it the first time, to me, is better than reading the same article or chapter in the book a second time, if that makes any sense. Sure. Sure. Um, now, some of the programming is live, like this morning, your right. newspaper articles were live. This public affairs show is usually a tape show where we tape it and then it airs the following week. So there are different formats that you do have to adjust to, whether it's live and you know you're on right now and that's going on. Where this one, if we're taped and we mess up, we can stop and start again and edit it and it sounds perfect when it mm -hmm. comes on the radio. So which do you prefer more? I... It, it, I can wake. It depends on how I wake up. Sometimes I wake up and 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 uh, the words flow and it's easy. I'd, I'd rather extemporaneous live. Uh, sometimes not. I'd rather have it right there. Um, I like newspaper there. It is live, so you have that that dynamic quality to it. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess I don't have a preference one way or the other. I think I can I can do both. It's just what it depends on. Where I am. If I'm tired, I'd rather read it, I suppose. And that's why you're our utility player. <laughs> um, the other question I wanted to ask about novels, is there any genre of novels you like more to read or to read on your own? What do you, do you, tell me both. What do you like to read on the air and do you, what is your personal favorites off the air? So reading has been a challenge for me because I think going to law school ruins the ability to enjoy fiction, or it has for me. So to enjoy fiction again has been a slow process. 
Um, uh, law school makes you impatient. You're reading quickly. You're getting to the point, that kind of thing. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that I guess I prefer nonfiction more than fiction, although I feel as if I need to read fiction because that seems healthy. <laughs> so I push through it. I've read uh, here, I taped Donna Tartt's books, uh, The Secret History and Goldfinch. I like Secret History the best. That, that's, a, um, a, her, I think, one of her first fictional books. Goldfinch is the more popular of the two, but my secret history was fun to read. It really was. I enjoyed that. And then the nonfiction part, like Walter Isaacson's book, I did uh, Stephen Jobs, and then The Innovators, how a gang of hackers, geniuses, and geeks created the digital revolution. I loved that book. It really was. Walter Isaacson's books tend to be very, very, very long. That book concerning artificial intelligence and computers and stuff that's right up my alley. I'm very techie, and so I, I really enjoyed reading that. Particular note is one that I did, a book by Rebecca Solnit, and that book was called A Paradise um, Built in Hell, The Extraordinary Communities That Arise in a Disaster. She wrote it in 2010. And I, I taped it maybe 2012. I used to live in Lakeview until, until I couldn't after the storm that shall not be named. In fact, I didn't live too far away from you at one point on Louis XIV Street. So Rebecca Solnit's book, when she was talking about what she kind of um, dispelled myths that happen to all of us when a disaster happens, the looting, the whatever, the, the awful things that happen and what she focused on was the good stuff that happens after disaster, how communities come together. It spoke to me. I did not really know who Rebecca Solnit was, but I found reading that book, and I, I, I'm not sure I asked the producer before I came here, um, when I did that book, I think it was 2012, 2013, and it shows you how the storm that who shall not be named is right under the skin as I was reading this book. It was great. It was a good, good book. So I think the books that I, I taped reflect also the interest that I would have personal reading, too. I can tell right away there's a big difference in your taste of reading and mine. I mean, when I was younger, I read almost every Stephen King book. There was an author named uh, Lawrence Saunders, and he would do murder mysteries based on the seven deadly sins. Uh, I found those fascinating. And now, you know, I'm trying to read all of the Vampire Chronicles of Anne Rice. So Ooh, I just yeah. finished book 10 of 13. So that's good. Now I've had to switch to audiobooks, but that's even tougher because if I'm laying down listening to an audiobook, I'm starting to doze off. So I have to be <laughs> up and sit sit upright to listen. But I have a very different taste in reading, I guess, than what you do, because uh, I'm more of that sick mind type person, I guess. So uh, Stephen King, Anne Rice, the great, great stories. Well, maybe I haven't told you everything that I read. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was another book I read, too. It was by Gary Kvist, K-V-I-S-T. And the book was called The Empire of Sin. And it had to do with New Orleans at the turn of the century from 1800s to 1900s. 
fascinating book. In fact, I wound up even calling Gary at some point, the author, um, as I was reading it on the air, because I had a couple of questions. It was just intriguing to me, that area of that era, that time in history of New Orleans. It's fascinating. Um, I work downtown. I'm across the street from Gallier Hall, and a lot of the events that um, are, are depicted in the Empire of Sin happened right at Gallier Hall. The the revolution, the 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 police issues, all of that stuff. I found that that was a great great book, um, and I liked recording it uh, because it concerned New Orleans, and it was a great historical perspective of New Orleans and realizing things haven't changed that much. Mm. Okay. Now, as a um, utility player here, Mm -hmm. you are also a co-board member, as I am, of WRBH. How did you become a board member? I've always wanted to be a board member. I really have, but I I was busy with other board work. I I worked at, um, I was the legal officer for Cafe Reconcile at, at the very beginning um, instrumental in getting the property for them so they could expand, that kind of stuff. That was a lot, a lot of fun. And then associated with my my son, there was the Bright School for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing, and I enjoyed that board, board work. So when I started reading for WRBH, I, I loved their mission. Um, and so I, I, I guess I didn't ask or seek it until a lot later. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, that's kind of how it happened. It was. It's just been something I've loved to do and have been doing for a long time. Again, I'm not sure how when I started, 20-plus years ago. I can't remember. Wow. Well, that's awesome. I, I just wanted our listeners to have an idea of who one of the uh, volunteers are that read here so often and get to hear a little bit about you and, and how you are and, and your interests. And I find your book tastes fascinating. Would you like? I'm like, <laughs> I feel like such a, a, a dummy that uh, I just like this fiction horror stuff and you're more uh, sophisticated than I am when it comes <laughs> to your book reading <laughs> and your reading talent too. So uh, I like my fingers on the each line moving as I'm trying to read because I can't <laughs> keep up with it. Um, before we end, there's four questions I usually like to ask our guest. Mm-hmm. I don't tell you ahead of time because it's Goes back to that James Lipton inside the actor's studio at the end of his shows. He asked four questions. I won't ask you what your favorite curse word is because that's one of his. <laughs> what is your favorite movie and why? The favorite movie and why? Wow. This is hard to, that, that's sort of like, what is your favorite restaurant? It so depends on your mood. I guess. This is, I guess, the mission. It, this is an old, old movie. Why does that get me so? It's, it's not so much the religious aspect, but it is the aspect of, of De Niro's character overcoming adversity and the depiction that uh, the power of De Niro's performance in that film with the absolutely beautiful music, the choral music of the indigenous people, the Hwaranis, I think is what it's called. Um, ah, yeah, that's that's a powerful movie okay. on a lot of levels. I'll yeah. have to look that one up. What is your favorite music? What do you like to listen to when you're in your car or at home or oh, Spotify or whatever? Any music that is well played, I, uh, along with Natalia Gonzalez, who's the executive director here, we call ourselves professional groupies. We'll go to any porch concert that exists in New Orleans. 
the porch concerts that that came up during COVID was the best silver lining of that that of that time frame. So rock and roll, uh, blues, anything at the Jazz Fest. Uh, so you cannot peg me with what is the best music. I will go to see it if it's good. Okay. What do you do to relax when you're not volunteering or working or doing it? What What do you do to relax? Other what, than going to porch concerts? Yes, other than that. <laughs> Was there something else or is that your relaxation? <laughs> uh, large part, yes. But uh, it, my, walking around Audubon Park, not now. I guess I do it in, in the good months. I just I can't, can't do it right now. Uh, cooking. I like to cook. Okay, I do too, but I'm not as fancy of a cook, but I do like cooking uh, most of the stuff. But I'm a, uh, an oven broiler type person. That's my extent of cooking. So. During the summer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even now? Oh, yeah. Uh, see, I like the heat. See, I'm, I'm a fan of the heat. Why? And I, just love, I, just love, I just love sweating. I love working Ooh. out in this sense. So, yes, yeah, so yeah, this but... summer has not been too bad for me. I've not complained at all because I'm more of a complain about the cold weather, so when it gets below 50, that's when I start being grumpy Carl. You are not human. <laughs> I, I am, I am, I'm very odd is what I'm being, I'm being told by many people. <laughs> Last question. What is still on your bucket list? What is something you want to do or something you still want to see? Well, I want to go... Um, my mother was Swedish, so I want to go to Sweden. I want to see those relatives. They're still there, and I'm in communication with them. Same thing on one half of my father's side. Both my parents are deceased in Ireland. So those two things are on my bucket list. I do the mom tour every year, so I haven't done that yet. I have, but they're in three different states. So I go to one, stay for a little while, so go to another where I can stay a little while longer just because of the dynamics with that particular child. <laughs> what, are, what are the three states again? Uh, so I have North Carolina, Nashville, and one that's just moving from New York to Georgia. So, oh, okay, so they're all going to be relatively close. In, relatively close. You know, southeast. Yeah, right. Good. Oh, well, that's good. That's good road trips. You can tackle all three in one trip, too. That's a good one. Good. Well, Sean Houlihan, thank you very much for joining us. I wanted everybody to get an idea of what just who one of our volunteer reader uh, are and, and, and hear and listen and get to know you because they hear your voice all the time just to, to know a little bit about you. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm, I'm blessed. Thank you very much. Well, we thank you very much, too, being our utility player here at WRBH. <laughs> thank you, Carl. <laughs> you have been listening to WRBH, reading radio for the blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carla Redondo. Thank you for listening. Thank you.